are coming to you live from Six Feet Under Gastro Pub, 727 Walnut, in the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. This is the Crossing Broadcast. It is a crossover episode with Crossed Up, a Phillies podcast, and Snow the Goalie, a Flyers podcast. We are sitting here at a round table watching as Philadelphia teams are going in totally uh, different directions. Russ, can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah, go ahead. The table is not round. The table is uh, rectangular. Yes, thank you. I'm, I apologize. Um, so here we are. We just got done watching, lamenting a Flyers 7 nothing loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins, which none of us saw coming. I don't mean that. Anthony put that out on Twitter. That did not go well. The Phillies are, what are where are we at right now with the Phillies? 3-3. 3 3-3, 10th inning. This is good. Gabe. And the Sixers uh, and the are well on their way to the NBA Finals. The Sixers are currently in, embroiled in a, a moment of, uh, you know, NBA standing jockeying to try to get and, the uh, seventh seed to play Boston. And Kyle's well on his way to needing an Uber. Yeah, that's well. Or, <laughs> my Uber is Russ tonight. Yeah. My Uber is Russ. I will be. Uh, I will be the driver today. I actually did bring a nice hat to wear, and he's going to sit in the back seat. It's going to be if great. You bend my rim on a pothole. Uh, that is the end of the podcast as we know it. Well, you know what? If I if I hit it and your car has to sit and get towed, I happen to know a former Philadelphia radio host who I'm sure would be happy to fight the case for you. So that's that's really exciting. <laughs> what are some other things you hate about the city of Philadelphia? Six one zero. All right, so guys, uh, let's I guess let's lead with a playoff game. It seems to make a little bit of sense. Anthony, oh, I got to talk. Anthony, Go like we've you know we talked about this this more Wednesday morning on Snow the Goalie this. Whole setup leading to the uh, the Flyers and Penguins. We knew that it wasn't going to be a, a pretty start. I think I'd predicted that the Flyers might be able to steal one here and then get smoked in the second game. I was woefully wrong. Well, you know what the funny thing is, Russ? If you recall correctly, before we actually started recording the other night, you said they're going to get smoked in the first game and then they'll play close in the second Oh, no, no, let me change that. They're going to be good. It's going to be close in the first game. Smoked in the second. You should have stuck with your initial instinct. I'm always going to go with my gut from now on. My yeah, gut continues were, to they grow. They were terrible these, tonight. These wings are so good. Anyway, uh, it, it is it, it's, it's pretty much the worst possible scenario, I think, for anybody who is watching. Kyle, of course, has been following the Philadelphia Flyers <laughs> all season long. I mean, if you cut the guy open, he, he practically bleeds orange and black. Yes. Kyle, were you surprised by the uh, the proceedings that we saw this evening? I'm heartbroken having lived and sweated with this team for the last seven months. Uh, no, look, I, I don't think, um, as someone who, Russ, you would not give credit to for watching a lot of hockey this year. I've watched enough. Uh, I am enough of a Flyers fan to feel this sting. Uh, they're just not that good. Like, I, you know, and Anthony will be able to speak to this better. They're not that good. They're going up against a juggernaut in the Pittsburgh Penguins. They had I w- what I would call a successful-ish season. A, they finished strong. Um, Claude Giroux bounced back in a way that was, I think, unexpected for everybody. And, um, you know, they're getting their ass kicked by the Pittsburgh Penguins, which sucks because five years ago, um, this same core of Flyers was beating up on the, the, again, when I say core, I'm talking like three or four players, was beating up on this core of the Penguins in the playoffs in 2012. And now here we are six years later, and the Penguins a couple Stanley Cups later, and, um, you know, a whole lot of roster rounding out and uh, many other things are on top of the hockey world continuously. Uh, yeah, but the one problem I have with this whole thing, they had the second worst loss in their history in the playoffs today. Only once did they lose a game worse than this. 
this is embarrassing. This is this you don't this is a team that is completely unprepared for game one of a playoff series against a division rival. And now you look at it, they've played five games against each other this year, and the Penguins have scored twenty seven goals. Twenty seven frigging goals in five games. That's bad. And anyway, you slice it. And look, Brian Elliott was terrible tonight, but Brian Elliott is hurt. He's playing through a sports hernia, basically, okay? And he had the surgery for it, but it's really tough to come back from it in six weeks like he has. So he's trying to play hurt, and the only reason he's trying to play hurt is because no one else is reliable to play in goal. Where have we heard this before with this team? This is, this is an embarrassment. The defense was bad. The offense was – they couldn't get really any chances other than I think Scott Lawton had one shot in the first period that I thought was a really good chance, and then and he whiffed on it, and then Murray made a great save. Other than that, they didn't do squat against the Penguins. That's as bad as it gets, and, and they should be really embarrassed. And you know, Friday is going to be an interesting thing because if they come back out Friday and lose, but it's at least a close game, okay, fine. But if they come out and they get their rear ends handed to them again, somebody's got somebody's got to pay for this. I don't know who, but somebody's got to pay for it. Well, I'm at least somewhat disappointed that, uh, you know, we might be in a situation where Game 3 is going to already, I think the Flyers are already planning to roll out Kate Smith and Lauren Hart again to sing God Bless America, which is, I, I know they it's going to get... go there again? It's going to get my, uh, it's going to get the goosebumps going. It's a must-win Game 3. I don't see a way that they're going to end up pulling this one out in Pittsburgh. And are I you said, serious on the goosebumps? Yeah. I mean, I, I love, see, this is why people need to listen to Snow the Goalie, a Flyers podcast. We, uh, we talked about this ad nauseum. Uh, it was, uh, I, I think it's the most overrated thing that happens in the city of Philadelphia with, uh, and it's, it's like a tired act. And I said on that show that Kate Smith has been dead for 32 years. Hashtag let Kate Smith rest in peace. And it's, it, it's like, it's too much. And I think the Flyers are going to go to it. I think they're going to bring out the big guns for that game. And I don't know if it's going to really matter. And the, the problem is the Flyers have played so well in Pittsburgh historically, especially in the postseason. Especially in this building, the console. You might want to turn your mic that? on there, fella. It's on. It's not the console energy arena anymore. Oh. They changed the name. I think it's Again? like PPL Center or something. I don't even know what it stands I for. I can't keep up. But it's not the console energy but like, here's the thing. building like, they, anymore. They historically play really well in Pittsburgh. And to go out and get smoked, I mean – this is a series that we've talked about that NBC Sports wants to put on. NBC Sports Network, they want to put on the main NBC channel on Sunday, I think, right? This is a series that they were banking on being competitive. And when you throw out, it's not just a dud. It's not just a clunker. It's it's the second worst defeat in Flyers playoff history. And it's to a, a rival that your fans absolutely despise, although you really don't belong in the same conversation with. You're nowhere near talent-wise. And once again, like to your point, Anthony... You're once again kind of looking at the goalie. Now, there are other shows right now who are treating Brian Elliott as if he's healthy because they don't know, they don't have the inside access that we have with you to know that. Is that a dig to another podcast? I would never do a dig at another podcast. I just happen to point out the fact that, you know, passive aggressive Russ, come on. I'm sure that they're going to, you know, probably go on a post game show and they're probably going to rant about how Brian Elliott is playing like trash, not taking into account that he's recovering from sports hernia surgery. And they probably think that the fact that he's out there means that he's healthy. And, and look, Brian, Brian Elliott's not the guy that's supposed to be the guy who wins you a game. That again is where 
Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek and these guys, and they're supposed to deliver in big moments, and they've had a great season. It's hard to go out and, and score when you have to defend against a Malkin line and a Crosby line. It's this, just impossible. The, the, the should-be Hart Trophy winner said tonight it's the worst game he's ever been a part of. And this is a guy who six years ago played in a playoff game for the Flyers against these same Penguins, and they gave up ten goals in that game. Granted, they scored three. They lost ten to three. This, he called this the worst game that he's ever been a part of. That's, again, so if the captain's telling you that the team played the worst game, he, he's played what? 740 regular season games, probably another, I don't know, 60, 70 playoff games, so more than 800 games in his career, and he's called this the worst one ever. How can you have the worst game ever as a team in game one of a playoff series? They had to be. You're from Delco. Who's getting <laughs> passive aggressive now? Good <laughs> God. Hey, I live there. Come oh on, I can say it. Gosh. <laughs> um, but I'd say in the last five years, they've kind of escaped the grasp of the average, the common, the casual sports fan. Whereas they own that demographic in the 90s. And game one of the playoffs, to me, was always a, almost a holiday. You know, you looked forward to that, that as much as you would look forward to a game one of the playoffs in baseball or baseball mm-hmm. or football. Game one of the hockey playoffs for the Flyers was an event every year from the time I was 10 to 20, remember looking forward to. Today was just like another hockey game. Yeah. Now, if you're, if you're on the team, obviously it's a different sentiment. But it's like, do the plot, like you, you're reading Claude Giroux's quote, do they go into this game actually expecting to win this series, expecting to make a run? Because I think as a fan, I look at it as every time I saw game one of the hockey playoffs, I was envisioning a Stanley Cup run. And you always wonder, like, do the players, does the team feel that same way? To me, I feel like this year, there's no way the Flyers could have actually been thinking that, you know, they had a run in that. Yeah. If you're a player, it's just sort of, hey, I'm doing my job of writing it bouncing around one, or you you thinking this could be our They believed, Kyle, uh, uh, as, as or recent as f- six weeks ago, that they were going to win the Metropolitan Division. They talked about it. They said, we're gunning for number one in the division. And if that's the case, if you believe that you are a, a good enough team to win a division, then you believe you can make a run in the playoffs. And the fact is that they're not as good as they thought they were. And they're, they're what we all thought they were all season long. We're, you know, nobody, I don't think anybody anywhere said, oh, well, this is a really good team. I think everybody looked at them and said they're pretty mediocre, and they might make the playoffs. They might sneak in at the back end, or they might just miss, and that's kind of where they ended up. So it's not like it's a surprise that they are where they are, but you have to be competitive. You have to be competitive. They, they really look like once they got behind three, not, first of all, Pittsburgh was dominant in the first period. They really were controlling the play. And the Flyers couldn't keep up. But once Pittsburgh's up 3 nothing and 4 nothing, the Flyers look like they were almost like, okay, you know, hands in the air. You know, we give. And you can't play like that in the playoffs. This is your season at this point. There was a lot of things I saw in that game tonight that I just said, holy hell, this is bad. This is and it's, it's worse than maybe I thought it was. And, and they have really one game to kind of change a lot of people's minds at this point. Because if you come out Friday and you, you basically do the same thing, 
again, I've said it earlier, somebody's got to pay for that. I, I, I personally think it's the coach. I, yeah. I, that's just me, and I know I've been Trump, you know, playing that, blowing that tune on the horn all season long. But somebody, you, you, he got so outclassed by Mike Sullivan tonight, the Penguins coach. So outclassed. Every matchup that the Penguins had on the ice won. There was not one situation where he looked at it and said, well, that, that favored the Flyers. Nothing. The and only I, thing Dave Haxtell did better was strike a Captain Morgan pose at 7 nothing. <laughs> I wish. I, mean, I was hoping. The, I put a tweet it, out. I was hoping it, somebody like, would send le- that. Legitimately, it, yeah. this is the thing that, that I think always drives me nuts about Dave Haxtell. He reminds me too much of John Stevens, who still gives me Flyers PTSD. <laughs> you know, people didn't like Laviolette towards the end because he was, he was so fiery. He was like a John Tortorella. He, he burned bridges. Players kind of got, they felt worn out by him. But if there was one thing that you could say about Peter Laviolette, at any game, any deficit, these guys were able to, uh, like, Laviolette and his, and his squad were able to get the team ready. They were able to get the team hyped back up. They were able to keep some life on the bench. And what we saw tonight with Dave Haxtall is a guy who stood stone-faced, and there was, you know, nothing whatsoever that, that made you think that, uh, I don't know, what just happened? False triple-double. What? Saltz has a triple-double. So we're recording this at, what, 10, 10, 10 o'clock? 15 at night. 10 15 at night. Markel Fultz just recorded a triple-double and is getting swamped by teammates. Yes, that rebound was number and 10. That, and then, as the Sixers are up by 40, that is a good story. I've said a lot of stupid stuff on this show. Yes, indeed. And indeed this is not have. a surprise to anyone, right? But... The one thing that I've been beating the drum about all season is when, when there is a possibility or when there was a possibility out that Markel Fultz could return with about 10 games left in the season just to see what he could provide you with. I said it doesn't really matter if his jump shot is fully back. His playmaking, his ball handling, his ability to rebound, his ability to push the ball, his ability to be a backup point guard to Ben Simmons and be a legitimate backup point guard, a guy who would be starting caliber and obviously is a guy who could be, could prove himself to be, you know, worthy of that number one overall pick. The whole thing now is he adds such a unique element and he is in some way, shape or form, a large part of this 16 game win streak. Weirdly, they have gotten better since he's come back and Joel Embiid has gone out, but his line, I mean, 13, 10 and 10, um, 6 of 13 to, uh, shooting, I, like, that's... I hate to say it, you were right. Yes. I, that really that bothers me to my bones. Like, I can feel it in the marrow um, to say that you were right. But um, seriously, this is maybe the best story of the Sixer season um, with those guys mobbing Markel Fultz on the baseline, putting up a triple-double in the final, what, two minutes of the season? A season in which he was the number one pick in the league didn't play most of the year, was ridiculed by uh, fans locally and nationally, probably players thinking that, hey, this guy's a head case. He's a Steve Nebraska character. Russ, you can, you can look up Steve Nebraska. Bob gets this. Um, to see him being mobbed, you're goddamn right it is. It's, uh, it's uh, Shotani. Um, to see him getting mobbed on the baseline with two minutes to go in the season sort of brings this entire thing full circle. And you say he could be a good backup to Ben Simmons. I mean, so right, no, now, right now. Right now. No, no I, I get what you're saying. But, I mean, he's the number one pick in the league. 
I mean, he should be a star in this league, and um, I'm putting up a triple-double and a 40-point win is not necessarily uh, make a, an NBA all-star, but um, that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool moment. I mean, I mean, look, there is something to be said for the fact that if you looked at the NBA standings going into this game, if Milwaukee, if Milwaukee had won, they would have solidified themselves as the number six seed in the East, which would have, which would have gotten them... I don't know what is happening. Bob and Kyle right now are just having a really awkward moment. Um, they're they're kind of go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Anthony. What? Why? That's like it's a really good point. Uh, you know, when when we were coming into this game, we said like, what does Milwaukee have to play for? Milwaukee was sixth in the East. If they win the game, they, they lock themselves into that sixth spot, which means they were going to have to play this Philadelphia 76ers team. What is the one team that nobody in the Eastern Conference wants to play? The Philadelphia 76ers. There's no reason for Milwaukee to have won, except there's a draft pick out there, and there were a bunch of different conditions. You give up a draft pick for the sake to not have to play the Sixers in, in this first round. By virtue of them losing, they're still waiting on the results of the Miami game and the, uh, the Washington Wizards game. These three teams are essentially all trying to jockey for that second spot to take on a depleted Boston Celtics team. And all I'll say is you might want to be careful what you wish for in those uh, scenarios because Milwaukee is a terrible team outside of Giannis. He's the only guy. The rest of the team is just a hodgepodge of broken parts and guys that, uh, you know, Jabari Parkers of the world who don't fit with Giannis, somebody who's who's going to be leaving. They also have Mallory Edens. All right, that was that, that was lovely. Is that what's what's her dad's name? Wes, right? He was the Wes the is owner. her father. Her Instagram is highly recommended. They're up five with eighteen seconds left. Who's this? Okay. And the Wiz are down five, but they're still five minutes to go So the Wizards actually the Wizards needed to win so they could avoid Toronto. Yes. They would I think by virtue of a tie break they would they would flip flop with uh, with Milwaukee, so it would look like the Sixers are going to play the Heat in the first round, which is a, a strange matchup. It's not one that I'm I, I'm thrilled with. Hassan Whiteside on the inside until you get Joel Embiid back could potentially be a terror. Uh, I still worry about the playoff experience that Dwayne Wade has. He's gonna he's gonna be able to get that young team ready to go. I don't know exactly how to feel about it yet. I'm going to have to kind of crunch the numbers on, on uh, the series. I don't know if Miami is exactly the team I want to go up against, but I don't think Miami is even close to being in the class that the Sixers team is. Russ, can, will... I pull my, can I pull my Villanova fan card? I know you hate it when I do this. Do you remember when I was anxious about a potential matchup with, like, uh, West Virginia? Yeah. Or uh, Texas Tech or Kansas? I do remember. And then in, in the rearview mirror, you're like, my team was so much better than them, they're going to stomp them. Yep. The Sixers are going to stomp the Heat. Uh, they're, le- they're probably, next to Toronto, the only team that's going to compete for the East. I don't even know I, if I that's up for debate at the I moment. I don't think you're totally wrong I on mean, this. the Celtics are missing their, their best player, slash two players, if you want to count Gordon Hayward. Um, the Cavs are kind of a mess. I don't know if I would go with stomp the heat, though. So in, in five matches this, this year, uh, it was four, plus the preseason. So in four matchups in the, uh, in the season, this is when they all played within the month of February. The Sixers won against the Heat by six points in their first matchup. They squeaked by two points at home in their second matchup. They lost to the Heat by one in Miami. That was the Dwayne Wade 
jump shot when you didn't know that Dwayne Wade was playing for Miami again. And the Heat beat the Sixers by nine points on March 8th. So, so how many, days, was, was fair, how many fair, days between the first and fourth game? How many days, like, in the schedule? It, it, I don't no, know. no, calendar days. Give me the date of that first game you read off. The date of the first game was February 2nd. Then it was February 14th, February 27th, and then April 8th. Or, and, I'm sorry, March 8th. And which game did the Heat win? They won the last two. They won the 27th and the 8th. So in any sport, when you play a team consecutively in the span of, like, a very collapsed window, you tend to get more competitive because you've experienced whatever um, positive vibes that team has had. The Sixers are better than the Heat. They are. I don't, I don't think there's any debate. I'm just saying that it's not, it's not their best matchup. Although I'm glad that they're avoiding Washington. Washington is a total mess right now. I do look forward to Masked and Bead trolling Hassan Whiteside starting in Game 3 I hope he, uh, on Instagram. I want him to make a tweet, like a, a tweet-inspired mask where he takes all of the haters, he takes the Hassan Whiteside tweets about making the All-Star team and how Whiteside said some guys uh, tweet and ask and beg for votes to the All-Star team. I hope he gets that put on there. I think that would be awesome. It kind of comes full circle. Yeah, no, my, my only point is I think we're probably going to look back on this Heat series on the fact that Heat played them well in the regular season as a footnote in history. Uh, the Sixers are... Are, pro, are, are arguably the best team in the NBA right now, without exa- uh, without exaggeration. Pump, pump like the breaks. No, but no, we're, they're not better than Houston. First of all, I agree with you, but they're not you win sixteen games going into the um, into the playoffs. You can make an argument for that, and there's, I don't think they're better than the top two teams in the West. But I don't think there's a there's genuine competition other than the Raptors in the East. Boom. How many Kyle Lowry's? Boom. We don't care. We do really care about Kyle Lowry's stats. <laughs> Great. Yes, that's fucking that's stud. That's how, many, how many did he score in the last few minutes? I bet you, I bet you he scored four of those five points in the final minutes. Here we go. Give me a play-by-play. The, uh, the play-by-play stat. Why are we doing a play-by-play? I don't need him to. People as they're listening to this. I don't need wait, him to read it off. I just need the, the play-by-play. This is going to be a thing. God damn it. It's probably DeMar DeRozan carrying the... Mm-hmm. I would bet you DeRozan... I guarantee you Kyle Lowry scored the bucket. Score. Guarantee you. Russ, real-time bet. What? Wayne Ellington is fucking still in the NBA? <laughs> okay. Duke, Duke Ellington? I love Duke Ellington. Yeah. We should do a segment, Anthony Reed's NBA player names. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, what, what's... I always yeah, what's, go Jakob if I see a J. I always just assume it's a silent J. Now, how would you say Vortex's first name? Thank you. He's assimilating, is, is what it sounds like. Can we just say really quick, because I think we need to get Bob involved. Because Bob's been sitting at this table, and he's got his hair plugs covered up. And I feel like it would be... <laughs> he's, he's... There's nothing better. I, look, I, I, love, 
I love the commenters on the website. Well, some of them, not all of them. And and in fairness, a lot of them the are, the same, He's the client are the same too. person. Yeah. But uh, the guy who goes after Bob, I have to say, you know, when you when you sit across from Bob, and this is this is why people should come out to live shows. Bob's out here with a full head of hair. It looks great. And there's this guy on the comments section who's just a total, you know, whatever you want to call him, about Bob's hair. I, 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 See, this is the and like this is the thing that I don't think people understand is like, okay, you can you can make whatever name and however many names you want as you're in the comment section, but we can see where you're commenting from, in theory. Like, we can see that if you're like this, if you're, it's fine if you're commenting, but when you start making alter egos to comment and like continue a conversation with yourself, that's a little bit weird. And then when you're like. Hey man, I really like your point, and I think you're onto something here. But it's you that you're responding to. That I'm a little bit concerned. Now, I, one guy says like I have a huge forehead. I'm like, he's right, you know. And I never even like realized it, but my man, my forehead does look huge. These pictures. It's large, so, like, even under that hat. That hat, it's like. I think there's there's a lot to there's a lot to work with there. The hair plug comment feels like a, a perfect Russ Trump impression coming up. No, I'm not doing this on the spot. I'm not a monkey with, with little symbols. I'm not that toy. I'm not. No. I'm just going to say, and I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to say it very clearly. Believe me. Bob Wankel, great guy. Love him. Fantastic. One of the greatest. Fantastic Phillies writer. Fantastic. I wish you could see his hands. Some of the best, the best hair plugs. Believe me. Such his great, are actually would sell this. Great hair plugs. Some of the best. Believe me, Trump hair plugs, fantastic. Bob is clearly going to be our best model. We're not going to show his face. We're not going to show his forehead. Some would call it a five head. I'd call it a forehead, believe me. Great hair plugs. Some of the best. You know, the, the VO on that is, is, I call it a six and a half on a scale of ten. Your hand motions are a 11 out of ten. The like, thing that I mean, people you don't have understand. the fingers and the, uh, the, the karate chop. The thing that people don't understand about Trump's hands is they move, they move in a manner that uh, they both have to go. You never see him move just one hand. They both go in at the same time. They come out at the same time. They make the okay sign at the same time. That's the real key to a Trump impression. That's just... Is it my chops? Is my chopstick cherries? No, no, Brett Brown just came out in an interview and said... I freaking love him. It's almost like I'm plugged into this shit. It's almost like that. But see, like, that's... That's the thing that we've talked about all year. Like, this is the I'll get back up on this this box. Like, the people who wanted to fire Brett Brown, the people who called him Pete McCannon, who you know I don't know who would ever do such a thing. Uh, you know, it's it's upsetting to me to think back to all the people that wanted him fired midseason, and now like I I said, 
I, I said, I said, you know, the last episode, it's something where, like, we finally have a, a legitimate NBA bench. You have real contributors like Ilyasova and Bellinelli rounding it out. We don't have to watch Jared Bayless. We don't have to watch French model TLC go out and clank threes. And when you've got Markel Fultz, a number one overall pick in the draft, Working with your second unit, giving you flexibility to run out, you know, instead of, you know, like in hockey where you have to run out different lines, this gives you the, op like, he gives you the ability to run out partial lineups, to run out starters, and kind of seamlessly run these these um, packages together, like these personnel packages out on the floor. It gives you a primary ball handler, it gives you somebody who can actually create their shot, which, by the way, is the thing that we said most of the season nobody on this team could really do. And so, like... Look, Brett has, has done an, a, phenom a phenomenal job. And when we compare the job that Brett Brown has done and the job that Dave Haxtall has done, I don't think they could be even more polar opposites. Brett Brown, in a 10-win season, was out coaching his guys up. He was out keeping these young players confident and believing in one, each, and, in one another and what they were building towards. And I can't imagine what it would be like to lose 72 games and every coach that would come into this city or would be interviewed about the job that Brett was doing while the national media were crucifying Sam Hinkie and they were saying that Brett Brown is a loser and he could never, you know, coach a winning team. The coaches on the other sideline said he's the only guy who could have done it. Rick Carlisle, who I believe is the, the, um, the chairman of the coaches association, the coaches union, has been effusive in his praise and said that, realistically, Brett Brown's the only guy who could have done it. And to see that he finally gets to, to roll out a team that is full of NBA contributors and to see them go out and win, was it 51 games now, right? They finished with 50, 52? Is it 52? To see them go over, to go over 50 games uh, is, uh, is 52, 52 and 30. It's insane. If you had told anybody pre prior to this season that they were going to go 52 and 30, we would have, you know, probably checked you into a mental institution. We got to see a pretty healthy Joel Embiid this season. We got to see Markel Fultz get torn down to nothing and then get rebuilt. We got to see Ben Simmons take over. We got to see this team go out. And credit to Brian Colangelo. He acquired some veterans that finally, you know, make this team a legitimate contender. And it is going to be interesting to see what they do next season in player acquisition. But Brett Brown deserves all the credit in the world. And, you know... Depending on how this playoff run goes, I'm very confident that Brett is going to be able to get that locker room together. He's going to be able to continue to motivate his players. I'm not so sold on Dave Haxtell. Anthony, how do you feel about Dave Haxtell? Oh, I'm back? Yeah. Dave Haxtell has announced that Brian Elliott will be the starting goalie for game two. Well, that's exciting. How, much, like, how bad does Peter Morazic have to feel at this point? I mean, seriously. They go out and acquire Morazic at the deadline. He's... He's not even able to start over a, an injured, a slowed down, a, a, a limited mobility Brian Elliott. I mean, it very clearly sends the message that the organization and the coach do not believe in Peter Morazic going forward. They certainly don't want to surrender the draft pick they would have had to had they re-signed him in the offseason. But, I mean, that's, that's a total slap in the face. Yeah, now the guy, I'll tell you what. Their best chance at this point would be if Michael Neuver came back healthy. That's how bad it is in goal right now. That would be their best chance. So what you're saying is they're screwed. Yeah, there's no question. That I picked this to go six games. I don't even know if it can make five at this point. And we even said that. like It, it is so hard for there to be playoff uh, sweeps in the NHL. It's, it's almost impossible to kind of predict such a, 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 an occurrence. It, it's a shame. It's a real, real shame. All right, what else do we have? 
Go ahead. Are you, yeah, you're on. You don't you want to know what we're talking about over here. All right, then don't talk about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, any any, any Phillies, uh, Phillies updates that we want to cover? So by the time people are listening to this, it's um, Thursday morning. The Phillies game has already been decided. Uh, Bob and I are here uh, balls deep in bottom of the 11th, 3-3 Phillies Reds. Um, that's not what we're talking about. But, uh, how, how bad is the thing you were talking about? Uh, it's probably not something we could talk yeah, about. Yeah, well, okay, that's on. fine. That's fine. All right, well, I guess <laughs> well, do we just do we just do well, we just, well, just, yeah. just here we go. Well, that's good. How many times are you going to say it? Until you get tired of it. <laughs> I'll never get tired of it. Here we are. Uh, anything else? Bob, do you want to throw any wise words out to the people before we wrap? Yeah, Bob's got from Philly's comments. I have no idea what's going to happen in this game. It's the 11th inning. It's uh, 3-3. We have Carlos Santana at the plate. Uh, It would be really nice if the Phillies won this game, right, people? Uh, Do we we just, like, stay on here until we run out the clock? Yeah, let's just stay on. Actually, everyone else can leave and go home, and I will stay here uh, at six feet under by myself narrating extra innings of Phillies Reds. Uh, There are, I think, 600 people left at Citizens Bank Park watching this game right now. On a positive note, that's more people than, like, show up to Philadelphia Union games Uh, at this point, so that's exciting. That may be true, actually, but that was, like, what, 4.30 in the morning, right? Uh, You know what? Like, so Anthony and I I were talking about this earlier. Like, I, I want them to win this game tonight. Like, nobody else cares, right? I'm the only person on earth that cares about this game. And I'm like, get over 500. You know, after everything that, that has happened over the first two weeks of the season with Gabe Kapler, it seems like everything that could have gone wrong, it did go wrong. You know, analytics this, analytics that. This guy's an idiot. They're outthinking themselves. 11 games in, 6-5. and five. So I want this. What do we have? Heat win. All right, so that's my hot Phillies taken. Let's bounce back to Russ. Um, can we talk about the, the tweet from Ilya Brizgalov? No. Give, give Anthony that mic. So can I, do I do this in the Briz voice? Like, so, so Briz. Uh, we love Briz. During the game. It was during the game, wasn't it? He didn't even wait until after the game. But during the game, Briz sends out a tweet with a picture of Elliot's restaurant, which is in Ashton and Delco, by the way. Not that he was there, but just a picture of the restaurant because Elliot's is the name, and Elliot, obviously, the Flyers goalie. And it says, I'm ready whenever you are at NHL Flyers. He just trolled the guys that are still paying him for another nine years <laughs> by saying, hey, whatever you, guys, whatever you want to bring me back, I'm ready to go. You know what, Anthony, it is important. Yeah, don't worry. Be happy. Be happy. This... Like, um, I, I love Briz. I would totally be all in on – it can't get worse, can it? If you put Ilya Brzezgalov out there, like, at, at worst you're going to get a good quote in the locker room. Right? Like, if you, it was one of my if, favorite quotes ever. Gun to your head, you have Ilya Brzezgalov or Peter Mrazek starting game three. We'll give Brian Elliott game two. Let's assume that the Penguins win by a large number again. And you had the, the potential to put Briz out there. Briz or Mrazek? I got to go Mrazek, even though I don't think he's any good. You're so disappointing. I'm sorry. This is the moment for hot takes. By the way, just, well, just, uh, just to keep going with uh, just for just keep give, making Kyle happy. Markel Fultz, youngest player in NBA history to record a triple-double. That's, that's youngest player in the history of the league. 
It's pretty impressive. That's pretty incredible for a guy who couldn't shoot a week ago. Two weeks ago. He's he's been better at shooting recently. Um, I think I think. Yeah, give give him that. Yeah, sure, please. I'm tired of talking about the Flyers. That's all I got. You were, I think I just knocked a candle over with the mic cord. Uh, you were right. You were right. I was right before the postseason. It's fairly, rem- it's fairly remarkable that uh, he put up a triple-double, regardless of whether the Bucks were trying, regardless of whether it was the last game of the season, regardless of whether the Sixers were up 40 points or not. Um, that's, to me, that's a pretty cool moment. Like, here's a guy who you thought was probably just going to be shut down for the year, and he just put up a triple-double and became the youngest in NBA history to do so. That's uh, It's, it's fantastic. Else. Again, it's a testament to Brett Brown. And by the way, this is a, a thing that I forgot to bring up before, but ESPN had an article up where they were predicting Coach of the Year and all the other annual awards. And in this, they didn't even have Brett Brown as a top-five Coach of the Year candidate. They had Nate McMillan of Indiana at number five, D'Antoni of Houston at four, Quinn Snyder of Utah at three, Brad Stevens of Boston at two, and Dwayne Casey from Toronto winning the award. If Brett Brown doesn't finish in the top five of Coach of the Year uh, balloting, especially with this hot streak they finished on and with all the adversity they faced, uh, these voters have no idea what they're doing. It'll be solidified. What was the topic that you wanted to rank really quick? So uh, this is probably a good time to do our sponsorship read. We're doing this live. <laughs> We're doing this live from Six Feet Under Gastro Pub at Seventh and Walnut. Thanks to our friends from I Do and I Will, uh, and our friend Rich. Rich is fantastic. Rich Supley. Rich Supley. He's, he's a St. Joe's, Joe's grad. grad. We've already had the Nova St. Joe's conversation, and I admitted to him that it is a shame that Phil Martelli has done such a piss-poor job over the last six years, and he agreed with me. So um, I think we're, we're uh, on, on the same plane there. Um, but he brought up an interesting question. He was in here before we started recording. Um, what, hap- what is more likely to happen? Philadelphia gets the Amazon second headquarters, the Sixers win the NBA Finals, or they get LeBron James. And that is actually somewhat of a difficult question to answer. If I, I'll go first. If I had to rank them from three to one, least likely to most likely, I would say uh, number three, least likely to happen, is the Sixers winning the Finals. I do think they uh, could go to the finals, and I would put them at like two to one. Uh, um, that's that's four to one right now to go to the finals. Uh, I would say second least likely is Amazon here, and I would say most likely is LeBron James coming to the Sixers out of those three. If you're LeBron and you want to win, chase two to three titles, I think if nothing else, the last two months have shown you that. Pairing yourself with Joel Embiid and or Ben Simmons is almost an automatic ticket to to the final series. Um, to me, that's probably the most likely. But I think this is a pretty good question to answer. I like to go around the circle and starting with you, Russ, in the Claude Giroux jersey, uh, who just played his most embarrassing game of his last 800 professional NHL hockey games. Also, I've had three drinks. Have you? Have you? I can't tell. Um, um my number three least likely to happen is Amazon headquarters two coming to Philadelphia. 
I really do think that it's going to be somewhere in the uh, the within the Beltway near DC. I think that's where it's going to end up. It whether that's in you, a part of you realize that's in, if you're a lobbyist for Amazon, you could get to DC quicker from Philadelphia than if you could slightly outside the Beltway, thanks to Amtrak. I I, I believe it. Um, but I, I do think that's where it's going to go. So I, I, I put a very small percentage chance that it comes to Philly. I, I think it's going to go near the D.C. area. It could be in a part of Maryland or Virginia that's close by, but I think that's where it's going to go. What's your reasoning? What? For, for why? For, yeah. I don't need to give a reason. I, I like a good why. It's, it's, it's a list. You know me. I appreciate a, a why. It's a list. Okay. I, I I don't really have a great. I, I agree. I just, being in the Beltway is, I just, is good. I just kind of feel like it. I think the Beltway is a is a good spot for them to go. I, what's happening? What's happening with the Phillies right now? Anthony and Bob are huddled around a laptop, giggling incessantly about something. What happened? The Reds are out of the Reds are out of uh, bench players, so they're pinch hitting a pitcher for a pitcher. They're pinch hitting a pitcher for a pitcher. Is Otani on their team now? Gabe Kapler, in response to this, yeah. is making a double switch. Kapler's making a double switch, and is it the 11th inning or the 12th? The 11th. 12th. Top of the 12th. Top of the 12th. How is he making... Ha- the Phillies are in the field. How is he making a double switch? I don't want to watch... Out, out, and putting another pitcher in and apparently taking What? This is according to Matt Gelb. What is happening? Okay. So, Amazon, third. And the Reds win. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> LeBron coming to Philadelphia is number two. I think the Sixers have a higher chance of making the NBA Finals. No, the, the is, question oh, is, is it winning? winning at all. It's winning? Never yeah. mind. Sw- switch them. Yep, LeBron. Thank you. LeBron's most likely. Although, in fairness, the Sixers could theoretically win the NBA Finals this year or next year. They actually year could. Without, without, without having LeBron. Easily. Or if you uh, this or like year, or next year, absolutely. Well, because it, it the qualifier wasn't that it just had to be this season, right? It, it's just which is the first to happen in real time. No, I'll switch it. Uh, the Sixers, uh, I honestly the Sixers think it by was virtue this season, not, but okay. That, but I'll, I'll, then I'll say the Sixers winning the NBA Finals is. The I'll placate you. I'll humor you. Okay. okay. All, right, All right, Anthony. Yeah. What do you want to go with? Oh, I gotta. I gotta give this response. All right. All right. You got Amazon NBA Finals and what was the other one? LeBron. LeBron is probably number one. Most likely. Most likely. Number two. Amazon. Number three. <laughs> Sixers winning the state that's, the championship. That's your negativity because no, it's not negative. It's just that it's we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. We're just getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. They're they're on track for this, just not this season. That's all I'm saying. I mean, it's, well, that, it's, that's why I got the qualifier added or, or clarified. I don't, I don't know. How do they beat a team season? from the Western Conference? If it's yeah, it's a weird. LeBron is more likely. I think if things break the right way, I don't think they could beat a healthy Houston or a healthy Golden State, right? Depending on acquisitions in the offseason, if we're talking about next next season, it's entirely possible that if if you get into an NBA Finals and Golden State has Steph Curry go down for like the sixth time in two years, if he goes down to an ankle injury. It's not a close matchup. You're still probably looking at something that's closer to a Flyers-Penguins matchup in terms of the disparity in talent. But there is a chance. There, there's a small chance that well, you could a, be... There's a, a chance at, with any series, seat. right? I mean, there's a chance. Yeah. There's a chance with any series. I still think that LeBron's going to go to Houston. I think 
I do think Philly's a. It's it's between Philly and Houston. Here's the question: Are are you so answering? You cannot, you cannot yeah, Russ, are you are, if they have? LeBron. Are you answering what is first or what is more likely? Because if you're answering what is first, LeBron coming to the Sixers would be this year or kind of nothing. You could assume the Sixers winning this year or next year kind of negates that. I I think you. I don't think you can hinge it upon an injury. I think you have to look at it upon this year. Do the could the Sixers win the NBA Finals? This year, could they? They could. They could. <laughs> they could. I mean, is it is it a statistical possibility? Yeah. I wouldn't. I would go further than that. I would say They're, they can't beat Houston. I actually think they could beat Houston more than the. I think they could beat a. a they can't be Golden State. I think they could beat a full strength Houston before they could beat a full strength Golden State. That's fair. Easily. But it's also going to be hard to get to, to guarantee that there's going to be a, a uh, full health. Let me clarify. I don't want to say they could easily beat the Rockets, but I do want to say that compared to the two, I think they have a much better shot against a full strength Rockets than a full strength Warriors. Now the question is, are either of those teams are going to be a full strength? If you get to the Warriors and they're not a full strength, or you get Steph Curry like he was a couple of years ago where he's got a bum knee, and maybe you get another injury along the way, again, I'm not rooting for this. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you know, everything in the East so far this year has broken their way. Take a look at the Eagles. Everything in the NFC broke their way, and then they wound up against the Patriots without maybe their best defensive player in the Super Bowl for reasons we still don't know. Um I do think crazier things have happened than the Sixers making a run and winning this year. I don't think they're going to win, but I do think they're going to win the Eastern Conference. So I, I like I think if you're ranking these things, LeBron is probably more likely to come to the Sixers and them winning it all, but I don't think it's completely unreasonable to think that they possibly could. That sounds so weird to say. But Houston's got elite guard play. It comes down to what kind of defensive matchup you're going to run against Chris Paul and, and James Harden. You don't really have anybody on the team right now that could guard a hardened one-on-one. I mean, you could you could try theoretically to run out Ben. Nobody in the league does. No, I, I, that's what I'm saying. So like, the ISO ball system that they run and and the four out sets that they that they run where they're spreading the perimeter and they're running an, an ISO every time. That means you're probably going to either have to run out Ben, who's clearly been a much better defensive player than we ever expected out of LSU, or you're going to have to run out. Covington, Covington being in that spot takes him off of Trevor Ariza. That could take him off of whichever off-ball guard. If it's Chris Paul, it that that presents a very interesting matchup on the perimeter. Although with a healthy Embiid, with Saric, even with Ilyasova, the matchups that they would have on the interior. I mean, Clint Capella is a really good rebounder. He's a, a competent offensive player. He's a very good defensive player. But Embiid would have his way. So in terms of floor spacing, like. Yeah, I guess if it's if it's heads up between Houston and Golden State, they have a better chance of beating the Rockets. Yeah, I, I guess it's fair. I mean, it's the same kind of argument if, if you think the Sixers would be better off playing Toronto or LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think you can make the same case. The star power and the, the ultimate matchup is worse against Cleveland the same way that it would be with Golden State, but you also don't know what to expect from those teams, you know. Houston and, and Toronto are both just playing at a at a totally different level with guard player guard play that the Sixers frankly can't match right now. They will be able to in a year or so if Fultz continues to develop. They'll have a better backcourt, but right now JJ Redick and Ben Simmons does not beat the backcourt of the Houston Rockets. It just it doesn't right now. It very well could within a year. 
Bob, do you want to answer this other question, or are you good? I'm good. Uh, LeBron's most likely. LeBron's most likely. All right. I don't know how much of this was even will be listenable for the people. Maybe they'll enjoy it. I don't know. It's a it's a rectangular table talk. Philly's happy. LeBron are on second with nobody out. All right, hold on. We're gonna. All right, fine. How do we? Are we gonna are we gonna grind this out? Yeah, Bob, called the game. Somebody on Twitter had said that Bob would do a really great job in the Phillies booth. So maybe we should give Bob somebody. That. Did somebody on Twitter actually say that? Somebody, somebody did. did, or it was uh, it might have been a an iTunes review for Crossed Up. All right, Pedro Florimond, who was just double switched into the game, is on second base. Nobody out. Nick Williams, I'm sorry, JP Crawford to the plate, and uh, he takes a pitch down and in for a ball. Valentine it's. JP Crawford with his third hit of the season tonight, a two run homer early in this one into the second deck. Put the Phillies out ahead 2 0 early on. I think it was his first career home run, wasn't it? I believe that was his first career home run. MAB Paints. <laughs> MAB Paints. <laughs> I hope this does not make it to air. If this makes it to air, something went terribly wrong. And Crawford squares the bunt, and he gets it down the third baseline. A beautiful bunt. Florimon over to third. Crawford's out at first. And that puts the winning run 90 feet away here in the bottom of the 12th. Who's coming up to the plate? And that will bring up, I don't know, this is the, the problem with not really having watched the game because we watched the Sixers win by 35 tonight and the Flyers lose by 7. I don't know the lineup. Donovan Mitchell for uh, three. But we have, a, we have a pitching yeah. change. Here comes Brian Price. So now we have to edit so out the Why is there a pitching change? Why? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know who the hell is up Just to. Just give up. <laughs> How many hours does this get? This is why baseball is dead. This Not is only why, is it a pitching this change, is why it's, baseball's a, on life it's a double switch. This is ridiculous. Within the course of, of the exact same start times. No, wait. The Sixers game started at 8 o'clock. The Sixers game has been over for over an hour. The Flyers game, the 7-0 shellacking. I know, but I'm saying this is what happens when you don't have a time limit on a game. I mean, like... Wait, this, wait, wait, this thing can wait, go. Wait, 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 I wanted a hot take that would get you mad. Wait I wanted to get you I was, so I was like nodding off over here for a so second. Glad it, I'm glad Are it worked. Are you literally complaining that baseball doesn't have a clock? I really wanted to see if I can get you mad. You did. You got me pissed off. And then Go for it. Me and Bob are going to sit over here. We're like tag team. This is going to be, you know, like a... Well, this is really riveting, Anthony. You know, the thing is that, that, you know, in the... Uh, <laughs> Harry? <laughs> Harry, can you hear me? Uh, look, in the, the Flyers-Penguins game, I would guarantee you that there were still more Flyers fans left in that arena that seats, what, 17,000 people than there are... Philly's home fans. There's at least 38 people there right now, Russ. <laughs> like, I mean, Russ. I'm sorry, but it's, like, a it's, it's not a chilly exciting. night in April. It's a chilly night in so April. So much for being the best sports fans. You can't, you can't deal with some 30-degree weather for your team. I, Gabe Kapler's heating that place up. Have you seen was, the pictures of it? If it was Have October, you seen the pictures, if it was October, do you think that people would be home, going home right now? Yeah, of course they would. Stop it. October 1st. Isn't there a regular season game scheduled for October 1st? They're not going to be in contention at the end of the season. They're going to go home. Kingry's coming up. Scott Kingry. Yes. First and third. I have him on my One out. Game. A night after he hits a game-icing grand slam. 
absurd thing. Well, that, that was an intentionally bad thing. Kyle, you should see me roll my eyes at some of the stuff that he says when we're yes. doing the My dad, my dad is 72 years old, and he says, why do they play 48 minutes in basketball? They just need to play four minutes at the end. So can we, can get, can we condense the, the NBA season to 50 games in, in 24 minutes? Can we do that? Can you Would explain to cool? me why we need 162 games of Yeah, four, I will, because, four, because four, that's four what they're doing. Tradition. And, and, and because I mean, baseball is so rooted in statistics, you need to have a comparable amount of games. If you all of a sudden you cut out, hey, let's just cut out a fourth of our season because nobody gives a shit in April, then nothing makes sense. You're like, oh, he hit 37 home runs. Well, another guy Doesn't that say that the, that the data set is flawed if you need 162? No, and Russell, because it's, it's the only sport of the four major sports that guys can reasonably play on a nightly basis, i.e., hello, Cal Ripken can play on a nightly basis without killing themselves. Because it's an easy sport. You can't sport. do that. No. I'm, I'm, I'm intentionally. I just want to point out to the people you who are listening. My goal is to just You can't do that in the NFL. You can't do that in the NBA. You can't do that in the NHL. But in baseball, you can do that. So if people are willing to fill a stadium and watch and enjoy baseball every single night, if that were the case, if you were able to do that physically in basketball – the Sixers would play 162 games as well, but you can't because there's too much running and too much jumping and all that shit. And football, you can only play once a week because it's so you're you know, saying that they're more physically people. demanding sports. Correct, it is. Okay, it is. But uh, more skill involved, baseball. I don't know about that. Did you guys see that cool soccer match last night? They uh, played for 92 minutes because they needed two extra minutes and nobody scored. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I hate to I hate to point this out to you, but uh, yeah, I'm sure there, there were, were like there were like more, four goals. There, it was insane. There were there were more. Actually, there there so were four goals actions, today in the Real yeah. Madrid Juventus game. There yeah. were. It was four goals. Big Juventus guy. All right, we have a. Uh, Oh come on! You just uh, Anthony. Anthony literally Barely sat here. Three-one count to Scott Kingery. Here's the stretch. The three-one pitch. Swing and a high fly ball deep right center field. Tagging up from third and he scores. Ball game. The Phillies are above 500. Yes. Six and five Philadelphia Phillies. How about that? It all you game players. The computers have the Phillies at 6-5. and five. That's all I've got. I'm signing off. Four hours later, we have finally wrapped up an exciting night in Philadelphia sports. Thank you for listening to the Crossing Broadcast. And, of course, go subscribe to the other shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, including Crossed Up, featuring two of the guys you heard tonight, Anthony and Bob. Go subscribe to Snow the Goalie, as a Flyers podcast. We very well may be dropping some post-game reactions coming up in this series, if it's worth it, unless it's more 7-0 shellackings. Uh, go check out Crossing Broad FC. Check out It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia. Thanks again for listening. We will talk to you again probably next week.